Hello, thank you for participating in Harvesters Church online service today. At Harvesters, our core is actually transformation. Some of the ways that we get this done is by connecting people to authentic and supportive communities. Also, we motivate spiritual encounters which eventually raises devoted followers of Christ. That is awesome. And also, today is our church online service and you're asking, what is a church online service? A church online service is the same experience you have in a physical location. What should you expect? A powerful time of prayer, intense uplifting worship, word of God that is full of revelation, application, and has the power to change your life. And lastly, there will just be so much interaction as you can go into the chat group of spaces and connect with other people. We just want to encourage you that you shouldn't just watch, but participate in this life-changing experience. Sit back, relax, and be blessed. My name is Maria Akbuduado, and this is my father, Mr. Michael. My father has always been a very active man, so when this problem occurred, you know, it was very devastating for him. The problem actually began with a mild stroke, and afterwards, you know, it degenerated into a lower back pain. You know, the lower vertebrae was pressing on a bone. You know, the cartilage there had worn off, so it made him immobile. He couldn't work. And my sister suggested that we go to HICC where we were having the encounter program. During that year when they were doing encounter, so I, they took me to that very place. You see, we started from the church clinic from church clinic to the main church when uh, they started. So actually the pastor started his prayer. So actually people were so many. See? I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything, you see, until uh, after the prayer, I was able to move gradually, gradually, gradually. Psychology kept emphasizing that he be strong in faith and that was what we did even when we left there he he was able to move a little you know as we went home he kept confessing what um, Pastor B Balaji was saying and at the end of the day you know after after, after a few days after we began to make progress we began to walk gradually and one day we just saw him moving dancing and you know, you know the rest is history
just say this before I go on. Just after this service, our kids' service is going to come up. It comes up at 10.30 at 11.15 a.m. And if you miss at those times, we can just go back to our YouTube page. So go to the Harvest's Kids and Kids Zone. YouTube page is on the screen. And, you know, just let your kid be blessed by the word of the Lord. When you gather together, don't just leave them to it. Sit down with them, read it with them, and let them be blessed by the word of the Lord. The second thing is this. You know, um, next Sunday, we're going to have a very powerful healing service called Encounter. Listen, in this healing service, you've had healing testimonies in our church. But this time around, we'll be praying like if you have someone that is sick of asthma, someone that is blind, someone that is deaf, someone that has a lung problem, fibroid, can't have a child, invite them to join us next Sunday. Someone that has COVID-19, listen to me. As we pray, I don't know about you, but my God is a healer. As we pray, the power of God will terminate the airways and instantly in in many areas, in many locations, in Australia, in Canada, in the U.S., in Abuja, in Lagos, in Ibadan, in, in, in Bagada, in Ikoi, in Etiosa, the power of God will break out everywhere. And there will be miracles everywhere. I'm, I'm proud for you to come. Listen, as we worship God, your feet will stand up. Next Sunday is a Sunday you don't want to miss. It's going to be live on television. It's going to be live also on social media. As we worship, your faith will stand up to another level. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's not time for the word of God. I want to encourage you. Please get the distractions away. If you can sit up, sit up, get a pen and paper, and let's go ahead and look into the word of God today. Someone say hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. All right. All right. Today, I want to talk to you quickly about how God delivers us in crisis. How God delivers in crisis. How God delivers in crisis. You know, the Bible says something very instructive in the book of 1 Timothy. The Bible says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. What does it mean when the Bible says, in the last days, perilous times shall come? The word perilous is from the word peril. And peril means there will be loss, there will be danger, that we're going to live in very dangerous times. And when you see all that is happening around us today, of course, we are perplexed, we are shocked, but we are surprised. But in another way, we are not surprised because the Bible says that the Spirit says expressly, the Spirit has given us guidance, that as we come to the end of time, as Jesus returns, as the rapture is closed, that difficult times will come. It's a difficult times will come. And when you see this kind of thing, I know that there's fear and chaos. You must also begin to think of, the, of your life and think like, my God, the rapture is so close. What will my life be like? The rapture is so close. What will my life be like? If Jesus Christ comes now, I'm ready for the rapture. If Jesus Christ comes now, I'm ready to meet him face to face. If the trumpet sound, will I be among those that will go with the sound of the trumpet? And if you're doubting that, that's who I want to talk to first. You need to take a moment and Keep your heart to Christ. How do I do that? I'll leave it in prayer at the end of the service. But in the interim, you can get out your phone and just send a, a message to the number on the screen and say, hey, I would like to give my life to Christ. So the Bible says is that in the last days that difficult times will come. But if the Spirit of God knows that difficult times will come, that means the Spirit of God can also or would have also made provision for us in difficult times. So this morning I'm talking about how God delivers in crisis, how God delivers in crisis, because if you can know how God delivers in crisis, what happens, then you can be able to receive deliverance if you are in a crisis. For some people here, maybe you've lost your job. For some people here, the lockdown has put pressure on your marriage. Some people, it's not the lockdown that's affecting you, it's the fact that before the lockdown there were issues, and now the issues have amplified. 
for some people, you own a business and you're wondering, how would I run my business? It's not I'm going to fold up. For some people, it's not just material. It's a fact that it's a health issue. Maybe you've been diagnosed with something that is very, very, very serious. Maybe it's even COVID-19. Maybe it's tuberculosis. And you're wondering what's going to go on right now. And I've come to you to say, how does God deliver out of crisis? The first thing you need to know is that God loves and wants to deliver people out of crisis. That's the first thing. God loves and wants to deliver people out of crisis. Will you turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 43? And if you can get something to write this down, it will be really good because you can go back to it. This is that kind of message you do not want to miss at all. Isaiah chapter 43, in verse 1. Isaiah 43, verse 1. See what the Bible says here. The Bible says, But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, and I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. And he says this, he says, When thou pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burnt, Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. One thing I want you to notice is this. He didn't say that tough times will not come. That's not what he said. He said, but when you go through it, there will be such a deliverance that the crushing power of the tough time will not be seen on you. He says, you will go through the fire and even the smell, glory to God, this is extremely powerful. He said, even the smell of the fire will not be upon you. He didn't say you will never go through tough times. He says, when you go through tough times, you're going to come out with a testimony. And that's why I can look at you and say, hey, I know you're wondering, my finance is crashing. My job is crashing. But weeping may enjoy for a night. Joy is coming in the morning. And God is going to cause you to recover all. Listen, everything that seems lost, including time, you're going to recover it. That demon is paralyzed. I said, everything that seems lost, you're going to recover it in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan thought he whipped out Job. But when the time of Job came, there was a total turnaround. And everything Job had lost, he got back seven times. So, God loves to deliver us of crisis. As a matter of fact, this is an example of a scripture that shows that God loves to deliver out of crisis. Psalm 50 verse 1 says, I will call upon him and he will deliver me. Hallelujah. So, the Bible is full of promises that God loves to deliver out of crisis. But don't they just stop there? There are examples of people that got into trouble and God actually delivered them out of crisis. In Exodus chapter 6 and verse 1, Israel. You know, Israel got into trouble because they wanted to leave Egypt. And Egypt said, oh, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to go anywhere. And there was chaos. Listen, in the land of Egypt, so many bad things were happening. But guess what? God came through for his people in Egypt. Let's look at Exodus chapter 6. Just something to build up your heart as we look at this. How God delivers in crisis. Exodus chapter 6. This is good. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do unto Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let, my, let them go. And with a strong hand shall he drive them out of the land. Up to this time, Israel had gone to a difficult time in slavery. And God says, with power, I'm going to bring them out of Egypt. That's another example of how God loves to deliver his people. Another good example is in the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 27. The Bible says there was a shipwreck. You know, the mode of transportation, the main mode of transportation that day is 
flight. But in the Bible days, it was really by, by sea. The Bible says that and there was, there was going to be like chaos. People are going to die. The ship was going to be destroyed. And all of a sudden, Saul, Paul rather, the man of God stood up. He says, they appeared, you need to read this. This is one that's very powerful actually. It's, let me tell you something. I love the Bible. I, I just love the fact that I have the opportunity to read the Bible. Acts 27 verse 23. You need to hear what Paul said. Hallelujah. This was a country of tough times. I see that she was going to capsize. They're going to die. The Bible says this. Verse 23. This Paul's talking. He said, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Hallelujah. I love the boldness of Paul. He says, The angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not. Hey, in long and short of the story is this. The angel came and brought a message and said, Paul, you are not going to die. Not only are you not going to die, because of you, God has given the life of those in this city. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? So, God is not just going to protect me or protect you. Because of you, those that you walk with, God will preserve them. God, those that you live with, God will preserve them. If you live, say amen. So, I'm just showing an example that, hey, one, it's not only that God can deliver in crisis. It's not only that God has the promises to divine crisis or has promised divine crisis. There are examples of people that God has delivered in crisis. But I noticed something, and that this one tied in the teaching, how God delivers in crisis. Many people wonder, you know, I won't go to deliver anybody didn't come through. Maybe, maybe you, don't, you don't understand some things. I noticed something in the Bible. When God wants to deliver part of crisis, two things seem to pop up. The first thing is this. God begins to talk about himself. I don't know why he does that. You, you, just, you just hear him say things like, like the scripture that says, no weapon fashion against shall prosper. You know, before that scripture, you need to go to the verse before. The verse before says something like, hey, I am the one that made the, the, the iron, that the iron bender used to make weapons. I'm the one that has the intelligence, the way they put it together. I don't know why God introduced himself like that, but I guess it goes to say something that what I'm promising you, you can bank on it if you just know a little bit more. Somebody say hallelujah. So, you know, God will just introduce himself. And the reason why is this. The introduction of who he is is meant to be something you can what? You can lean on. That's what he is. All of a sudden, Jesus Christ got to the tomb of Lazarus. And you know what he says? He says, he says, I am the life and resurrection. <laughs> Lazarus was there. He says, I am the life and resurrection. He just gave them a brand introduction of who he is. He says, he that believes in me will be forever. Someone say hallelujah. So, what I notice is, is number one, there's that revelation of who God is. And the second thing is this, 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 this is what is important. So, if you're going to come out of crisis, you must not just know God as God. You must know Him. You must have a deep-rooted conviction of the revelation of who God is as the God that can bring me out of trouble. And that was what, that was what Paul had. What did Paul have? The Bible says, and Paul says that the angel of the Lord was I am and whom I serve. He knew who his God is and what is God to do. The second thing is this. One, he must know who God is. The second thing is when God wants to deliver people, he begins to talk about who they are to him. That's the one that shocks him the most. When we read about Israel in Exodus, you know what God said at some point? He said, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He said, why? He said, Israel is my firstborn. 
He said, if you touch my firstborn, I will touch your firstborn. So all of a sudden, God doesn't just reveal who he is. He also begins to talk about who the person is to him. The same thing with Paul. What did Paul say? Paul did not just say that, oh, God is powerful. He says, he says, he says, they appeared to me this night, an angel of God whose I am, like I am not myself's property. I belong to somebody. And who I belong to is Jehovah. He says, whose I am and who I serve. Why is that important? Every time you know who you are, you open up for a miracle. Every time you are, remember your connection to him, what happens to you is this, your humanity decreases in consciousness and your divinity increases in consciousness. If you're going to come out of crisis, you will be concerned with two things. Number one, the revelation of God I have. The revelation of how God sees me and my connection with God. So to come out of crisis, listen, God's deliverance is often based on the revelation of who God is and our connection to Him. When God wants to deliver us, you will hear Him say things like, nobody can touch you because you are what? You are engraved upon the palm of my hands. You are the apple of my eyes. God begins to tell you, I'm connected, you are to me. The reason why He does that is this. If you can know who you are to Him, there is a way it brings peace and rest into your spirit. In the midst of all the chaos going on, you know why? You are so troubled, you've forgotten who you are to God. You think of yourself as an item. You think of yourself as an individual. If you keep thinking of yourself as an item, as an individual, your connection to God is not strong. Let's see who you are in Christ. So most people should, most people should second God's deliverance because they keep having conflicting perspective of who they are to God. Don't short second God's deliverance. I love the way Caleb said it in number 215. What did Caleb said? The other despisers said, we're not able to deliver. And Caleb said, if God has pleasure in us, let us go at once and take over the land. They were both seeing the same thing. They were both seeing recession. They were still both seeing uncertainty. They were both seeing famine. He said, but if God has pleasure in us, why? Caleb was conscious that they were not alone. Other people were conscious of the giant. Caleb was conscious of his God. Listen to me. I love the way a man of God says it. He says, stop talking to your God about your mountain. It's time to face your mountain and tell your mountain how big your God is. I heard what NCBC said. I heard what the president said. I understand what the governor said. I understand people are moving on the right and on the left. I understand there might be an explosion. But the Bible says, no evil shall come near you. No plague shall come near your dwelling place. If you believe, say amen. I believe the word of God. So who are you? Oh, wow. One of the Psalms you want to read is Psalm 121. This is what it says. It says, the Lord is my keeper. Listen, when I remember that verse, the kind of comfort to know the Lord is my keeper is so strong. The Lord does not only keep me. Whatever is concerned with me, God is keeping it. I'm not the one keeping my health. I'm not the one keeping my marriage. I'm not the one keeping my job. I'm not the one keeping my my finances, my kids. The Lord is my keeper. Question, if God is your keeper, what can snatch you away from hell? What can contaminate you? What can you lose if God is your keeper? So the foundation for you having a deliverance in crisis 
It's your identity in Christ. So, who am I to God? This is what we're going to spend a lot of time today. First Peter chapter 2. Let's look at that quickly. Then we're going to spend that. So, who am I to God? Who am I? How does, so, last week we began to talk about our identity in Christ. Last week we spoke about the fact that if any man is in Christ. So, this is not a normal person. This is a man in Christ. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. We want to find out what does God think. So, so what's my identity? My identity is not that I'm a doctor in us. It's how God sees me. My identity is what God sees in me. And that's the true identity. Because anybody can say it about me. But my identity is what God says about me. First Peter chapter 2. And um, this is very powerful. Oh wow, you, you will be so blessed today. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. You know, I, I can read it from my heart, but I, I just want you to really go along this. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. What does it say? <laughs> Hallelujah. It's about you. Hey, it's about you. A, a chosen generation. A, a royal priesthood. A holy nation of peculiar people that you are called to show for the praise of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen, only God can say that about you because looking at you naturally, there's nothing about you that way. What does God see? He said, number one, what's my identity? This is the way God sees me. This is the real me. Other people see my shirt. Other people see all sorts of things. But listen, there's a way that God sees me. Sometimes when you see someone on social media and you meet them physically, you're so surprised because it's not the way they look on social media. But listen, when God looks at you, he even wonders if you know yourself. God looks at you, and the first thing he says is this. He says, one, you are a chosen generation. Are you ready for this? Number one, this is my first identity. In Christ, I am completely accepted. What does that mean? He says, it is for you are a chosen generation. Do you know what it means for chosen? Let, let, me, let, let me read chosen to you. I check the dictionary. The dictionary says, chosen means... To pick out the best or the most appropriate among several options. That's what so that's what choose. Chosen mean a small group of people who enjoy special treatment thought to be unfair. Glory to God. That's what chosen means. And God looks at you and says, You are what? A chosen this what you know what chosen means? Have you ever done some kind of sport before and they say one five players? The moment and there are 15 of you there, the moment they say you and you step forward, they start feeling of that, that, that special feeling that there's something about me. That's how God is about you. What is chosen? Look at all these chairs on the stage. Chosen is God comes. All the chairs. They are basically all the chairs. And God says, Hey, I pick you. And God picks you. He says, but you are a chosen generation. God picks you. Listen, I didn't pick him, he picks me. I, I, I am a chosen generation. This is, this is awesome. God picks me. Listen to me. Do you realize that the deepest pain in life is rejection? Most of the time, the deepest pain in life is connected to rejection. And guess what? Sometimes, the greatest expression of love is acceptance. But I'm saying so, he says, God says, I've accepted you. And some people are trying to please God. I'm not trying to please God. He has accepted me. So, see, this is heartbreaking. 
looking for. Now, now, now let me let, let me digress a little. Many people say, "Oh, when God knew man was going to sin, why did God make man?" They almost want to suggest to you that salvation was an afterthought. That it was when Adam sinned that God said, "Oh, let just guys go there." That's not what the Bible says. Hebrews four lets us know. That salvation was already in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. That means that God had destined man to have salvation through Christ before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? It was before the foundation of the world that God chose me. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's look at this. You need to find this for yourself. Hebrews chapter 1. Hallelujah. I want us to be fast with this. Hebrews chapter 1. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hebrews. Sorry, that's in Hebrews. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 4. What does he say? He says, According as he had chosen us in him, we have been chosen in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. Listen to me. Before God made the angels. Oh my God. Before God made the angels. Before God made the heaven and the earth. I was the one on his mind. And once he chose me, he began to design everything around me. I'm not an afterthought to God. I am God's original intention. God's original intention was that man would be in him. I'm chosen, praise God. God had options for he chose me. He chose me. He says, for oh, you are a chosen generation. God chose me. If God chose me, you know what that means? I'm preferred. If I'm preferred, that means I have preferential treatments. What happens to others, don't expect to happen to me. I'm not like them. We are all humans, but we're not all chosen. Praise God. We are all humans, but we are not all chosen. The Bible says, I am a chosen generation. We are all humans, but we are all not chosen. And if I'm chosen, I'm preferred. If I'm preferred, I have preferential treatments. I've gone to some meetings. I've gone to some countries. And some countries, once you say you have this passport, they treat you differently. And God says, that's where I see you. Once I choose you, I treat differently. See, everybody prays, but God pays attention to some people's prayers. Because I'm chosen. So the first thing I'm chosen, the second thing is this. I'm not only chosen, I'm not a mistake. See, because, because God looked at everything and chose me. I am not a mistake. See, if I am not a mistake, why would I feel my life is a mistake? Do you mean, I'm not, of course you're not a mistake. In this season, don't get confused, child of God. God knew this season will come and he has prepared you for it. Because you are not a mistake. I'm not a mistake. God chose me. I'm not a mistake. God chose me. Not only am I not a mistake, if, if I'm not a mistake, the next one is this. God has a plan for me. What does that mean in the midst of all of this? The reason why I can rest in God is that God has a plan for me. If God has a plan for me, He has a plan for my finances. He has a plan for my protection. Listen to me. How can God choose me and sickness will kill me? Ah, uh-uh, error. How can God choose me and human factors will limit me? Ah, uh-uh, error. I'm chosen. The reason why I know that this season is dark but I will come out on the other side. It's because I've been chosen. Because once heaven chooses you, humanity cannot stop you. That's the truth. Not only am I chosen. See, when you are chosen, what does it mean? It also means I've been accepted. I love the way Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6. That's in Hebrews. I don't know if I'm not translation to you. From the message.
translation. Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 6. I, I love the way he says it. Oh, glory. This is good. See what it says here. Uh-huh. Mm. Long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he had, he, he, he took in planning this. I thought I was fun for He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift given by the hand of his beloved son. Listen to me. I'm accepted. That's what the Bible says. Therefore, there's no more condemnation to those who are in Christ. I'm not condemned. Some people, you know, because I'm chosen, I've been accepted. I'm not seeking God's approval. I have God's approval. I'm not looking for God's approval. I have God's approval. Someone says, I'm looking for someone to pray for me. Come to me. I have God's attention. If you're looking for someone that, if you're looking for someone that has God's attention, come to me. I have God's attention. Because I've been accepted into this beloved. Hallelujah. You know what it means by when someone is accepted? Let me tell you what accepted means. The word accepted means, when I say, I've accepted something, also that word, I'm, I'm, I'm recognizing this thing. I'm recognizing this thing. For example, when a lady takes a guy into, into a house and says, Mom, Dad, that's my boyfriend. And they say, Oh, we accept you. They accept you don't mean you're you, you married. No. The only means that we recognize you as the official what? Boyfriend. Oh, some girls take two or three. Oh, well, I don't know about that. That's another topic for another day. But just for this, I accept you. That means you're recognized. When Bible says you accept it, that means heaven recognizes you. Can heaven recognize you and you can be an earthly no-nonsense? You can be an earthly nobody? It's impossible. If you are heaven recognized, earth should recognize you. Someone say hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. So the first thing is this. The Bible says you are a chosen generation. It says you are a royal priesthood. It says you are a holy nation. Now let's go. So the first thing is that I'm accepted. The second thing is that I'm extremely valuable to God. Because when the Bible says you are holy, what does it mean? I'm extremely valuable to God. That's what it means. I'm extremely valuable. Holy means separated to God. It means I'm valuable to God. And let me say this quickly. That means, who am I? Because if you know who you are, you understand that you, God will deliver you out of every crisis. The thing is this, you keep allowing the devil to convince you that you are nothing, you are a nobody, that nobody wants to help you. And God is saying about you that you are valuable. He says, you are a chosen generation, not just a chosen generation, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation. What does it mean when I say that I'm extremely valuable to God? Number one, do you understand that value depends on ownership? Glory to God. Let me give an example. This shirt I'm wearing, if I put it on Amazon or eBay and say, hey, I want to sell this shirt, I've worn it five times, I want to sell it. I might be lucky to get $100 for it. But guess what? If um, Bill Gates pulls out his glasses or his shirt and says, Hey, my name is Bill. This is my shirt. This was the shirt I wore when I had the idea of Microsoft. This was the shirt I wore the first day I went to Microsoft, put out the shirt, and says, If you want to buy it, and he put $1 million, which one do you think will go faster? Same shirts. Maybe he bought the shirt for 20 
conforms you. You want to know your value? Who owns you? Ownership changes value. See, 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 see this guy here is playing the instrument. If he says he wants to sell his guitar or his keyboard, he may not have funds to pay for it. But if all those Western European banks that they want to sell their keyboard, people will scramble over the internet to pay for it. Because, listen to me, because ownership adds to original value. That's why Paul says, an angel of God appeared to me. Who's I am? Like, he says, I know who owns me. Praise God. Do you know that if there's trouble in this country, before it gets out of hands, the U.S. government is going to send in their planes and say, get out the U.S. citizen, because they are our own. If the U.S. can do that, imagine what God is thinking about. Even if there's famine, God must supply his people, because they are our own. Even if there's trouble, God must deliver his people, because they are all. The reason why you are in a lot of problems is because you think you are by yourself. It's because you think you are nobody. No, sir. You belong to God. God is the one that owns you. And if God owns you, He's responsible for you. Rest in God's grace. Rest in God's peace. Rest in God's joy. No way that you belong to God. Oh, glory to God. I said, when God wants to deliver you, He reveals who He is and who you are. I say value depends on ownership. The last now of our value is this. So for example, I told you, just a pen, who owns the pen changes it. Value is, value is determined by the price you're willing to pay. Have you tried to sell a car before? And if you're like me, or anybody else sell a car, we kind of always think our cars are more expensive in sales value than what they really are. Yes or no? You know, like, oh, no, 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 this car, this car is this million. And so I say, what is million in this car? I can't even see it. So what's the value of a car? The real value of the car is determined by what? By the price of the car. Your real value is determined by how much someone is willing to pay for it. You want to know how valuable you are to God? Because maybe you think that, you know, you think I'm a nobody, you know, who is going to deliver me? You want to know how valuable you are to God? Give me an example. Imagine I went to a shoe store, and as I walked into the school shoe store, I saw some of the richest Nigerians there. Just for illustration purpose, I saw Mr. Freeman to the lot there. I saw um, Mr. Aliko Dangote there. And we walked past a shoe rack store, a shoe rack store. And you know, I saw brand new Gucci, Louis Vuitton, all those brand shoes, and they were going for $1,000, $1,000. Then I saw a shoe that had no name. And it was going for $150,000. And I'm like, this is crazy. And the shoe was second hand. Because I'm like, all the branded shoes have $1,000 bill, tag bill, but this used shoe that has no name has only $50,000. And as I was looking on, all of a sudden, as Dangote and Mr. Tala walked in, the only shoe that interested them was that shoe that had no name. Tag, and guess what? Mr. Aleko picked his own and bought his own. Mr. Lab picked his own and bought his own and went away. If you were in that store with me and that happened, what will happen to you? If you are like me, you will drop the Gucci shoe that you picked and say that something seems like I'm an idiot. 
you will go to the other shoe that seems like second hand and has no brand and say, this is the shoe I should be what? I should be buying. The reason why is that the people that you trust are buying something and it, you know, because you trust the intelligence, it tells you that there's something in that product that is worth that price and is superior to what you are buying. Human beings can look at you and say you're a nobody. Your government can look at you and say you're nobody. But when God looks at you and puts a high price on you, listen to me, God is more intelligent than your friends. God is more intelligent than social media. God is more intelligent than everybody. If I were you, I would begin to align with God is saying, with what God is saying. Let me close this up. I said, the value is determined by the price. What is determined by price? You want to know how much I'm worth? This is what I'm worth. Because of my sins, God came in human flesh. God became man. I was worth so much, an angel could not die for me. An archangel could not die for me. Big animals could not die for me. It took God to take on human flesh, to come to the physical earth and come and die for me. John saw Jesus. And when John saw Jesus, he said, Oh my God! He said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world! What does the Bible say? Because the problem is this. Because things are tough right now, you think you're a failure. Don't put the wrong label on yourself. What does God think about you? Because you have no money in your bank account right now. You say, I'm poor, I'm useless. Don't put the wrong label on yourself. What does God think about you? The Bible says, let God be true. And all, let God be true. And all men liars. But what does God say about you? Look at it. In the book of, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter 1 verse 18. What does he say? He says, oh, oh, glory to God. I say, oh, glory to God. I say, oh, glory to God. See what it says here. Hey. He said, for as much as ye know, that ye were not redeemed with the corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. How were you redeemed? You were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. God says, hey, you know what? For, for me to show you what I came to die. Listen to me. If you are so worth it that God came to die for you, how can you think God invested so much to save you and one virus can kill you? How can you think God invested so much to save you and family can destroy you? How can you ever think that if he can come and shed his own blood to save your life, he will not plan for your prosperity. He will not plan for your provision. He will not plan for your children. He will not plan for your marriage. Don't get it twisted, people. Our God is not confused. He is not confused. If I use one billion naira to buy a house and I have to use 10,000 to play the cover, what is 10,000 naira to me? Just tell me somebody. He God himself came and died for me. You mean he will allow a virus kill me? You mean he will allow me go broke? You mean he will make me go hungry? You mean he will not give me a husband? You mean he will not give me a job? You mean he will not give me a child? That is impossible. My God is not stupid. He's the best investor. He saw something in your life. He saw something in your future. And he said, 
proof of what you have wanted. Calvary is a proof of what you have wanted. Anybody someone ask you what you are worth, say Calvary is my receipt. Yeah. Calvary is my receipt. What's my worth? That God came and died. No matter what's going around you. The reason why I know that God will come through for me and this is not the end of me is this. If he died for me, there's nothing he will not do a plan for me. Let's pray. Anywhere you are, you want to stand on your feet. Let's pray. He wants to. And today what I want to do is this. Many of you have been so worried about how your business will continue. You've been worried about what will go next. I just want to find a place that can kneel and say, Lord, I'm so sorry I'm even concerned about all of that. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. Because I'm, I'm valuable to you. So you have it figured out already. Lord, I begin to thank you and trust you for your plan. Hallelujah. And Father, I pray today that everyone here will be able to trust your plan for our lives. And if you're not born again, you can say this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I heard the message. I believe it. That you died and was raised from the dead for my justification. Today, I receive eternal life into my spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. If you pray that prayer, God has heard you. Go ahead, write your name. Then send you this was on the screen. I want to pray with you. We even have something to send to you as you do that with your email. Hallelujah. Father, during this tough season, help us know that nothing can mess with us because we're valuable to you. Help us rest in your peace. Help us have assurance outside ourselves. In Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that blessed you. At this time, we're going to take our tithes and offerings. And let me say that about giving our tithes and offerings. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says, as long as the extra minutes sit time and harvest shall not cease. It could be a very difficult period for people to honor God with their tithe. It could be a difficult period for you to worship God with your offering. But that's the thing. It's in tough time that people that have faith that their faith shines the brightest. It's okay to give when it's convenient. It's okay to touch when it's convenient. But when it's really tough. Like the woman of Zarephath, it was just one meal and Elijah said, can I have it? And he says, this is it. And that meal multiplied. Sometimes, all you need is that obedience to God in your offering and tithes for you to see a breakthrough. So at this time, there are several ways to give. All of you that are watching from outside the country, you can go to the website and with your credit card or your, your cards, you can go ahead and give directly, you know, on the website. All of you watching within the country can make a transfer to the account on the screen. Your title is 10% of your income. You want to sow a seed to help those that less privileged that might help you right now. We want to give a worship offering. What's a worship offering? I know you are home, but if this is your Sunday service, you want to take our money to give it to the Lord. You bring out your phones or whatever you need to give because all we can accept is a transfer. If you want to store information for later, you can go ahead and do that. Why? Well, I strongly recommend that at this time you give so that we can all pray together. I want to give you like some few minutes to do that. So we can disconnect and pray and give us to do that. 
And Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not just a tough time to give, but you are kind and merciful. I pray your blessing on everyone that's tightened today. I pray your blessing on everyone that's given an offering today. Lord, it's a tough season, but we choose to worship you. Will you please honor this offering and tithes and seed? And I pray the blessing of God. He said that the world will be rebuked. He said the blessings will open up. We receive this today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And if you want to give, so what you can do is that you can copy and this on the screen and transfer. Or you can just like, you know, log out from the online to the transfer and then come back for the final praise and worship. We're going to close this praise and the service today. And I want to get up on your feet. Remember that kids church starts in a few minutes on, on YouTube. And let us praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a good time to give God praise this morning.
and thank you so much for joining in. I can tell that you are blessed. Remember, stay full of faith because greater things are coming your way. Oh yes, greater things are coming your way. I pray for you today in the name of Jesus Christ that you will not fall into a state of hopelessness. I pray that the current situation will work together for your good. I pray for all of you that know yet received Jesus that you will come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray for all of you that have troubles, maybe trouble to health, with your marriage, with your job, with your finance, or because of this current crisis. I pray that the same God that provided miracles in the Bible will start in your life and provide you a miracle. I speak the blessing of God over you. I speak the promises of protection over you. I speak safety over you and your loved ones. I declare that when all the cities are cast down, you will say, there's a lifting up in Jesus' mighty name. I want you to stay connected with us. The social media handle of that. Let's, let's know how we can help you. Ask us some questions. Let's know how this blesses you. Guess what? Like she said, greater things are ahead of you. Amen.